Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Burt's Books podcast. Now, every week when I start to record this podcast, I write myself a little bit of a script as to some of the things I want to say. It's not comprehensive, sometimes it is just a few prompts to remind me. All I've put in this intro are the two words, bloody nightmare. It has been a week and a half, I tell you. So Tuesday, I was going to send out lots and lots of books, but the Royal Mailman turned up early, so I couldn't. Um, and then everything just went wrong from there. My laptop completely stopped working on Friday afternoon. I was supposed to have uh, some signed stock of The Devil and the, du- the Dark Water by Stuart Turton. That hasn't turned up. And then when it finally did turn up, it wasn't signed. Hopefully, that will be coming uh, next Monday. So if you have pre-ordered that, it's a bit late, but you will be getting your copy very, very soon. And last but not least, my lamp fell off the desk and smashed to pieces. All of this had kind of worn me out. But I don't have time for that because as I record, it is Bookshop Day. Uh, The day of the year, beginning of October, where we celebrate books in my bag and bookshops in general uh, on the high street and in these online. And just the amazingness of bookshops and just books in general. So there's lots and lots of stuff going on Twitter that I want to take part in. But... I've got this podcast to record. So coming up on the other side of this music, I have got two brilliant books to tell you about. I have also got an update on the bestseller charts. And as we are into a new month, an update on the best-selling books of the year so far. Plus a new round of the Pagemaster quiz. And boy, is it getting competitive. You need to score a lot of points now to make it into the top six, which you might be able to do so if you think you can get in touch like i say that is all coming up on the other side of this we'll start i think this week with the chart of the year so this is the point of the month where i look back and see what has been selling over the year in the whole of the uk and give you the top 10 Uh, Usual caveat, there was a period of the year where we didn't get any sales. I had to sort of guess and work it out, uh, but I think I did it fairly accurately. And uh, we've got a top 10 that hasn't really changed this much this month. It's moved about a bit, but there are no new releases. So what are they? Well, there's only one way to find out, and that is by using data sourced from the Nielsen BookScan Total Consumer Market Panel Chart. Normal People by Sally Rooney spends the third month at 10, and there's no move either for Lisa Jewell and the family upstairs at 9. Hilary Mantel is down two places to 8 with The Mirror and The Light, but Pinch of Nom by Kay Featherston and Kate Allenson is up one place to 7. The World's Worst Parents by David Walliams is down one place to six, just behind his other entry in the top ten, Slime, which is at five. Up three places to four is Bernadine Evaristo with Girl, Woman, Other, and Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens is up one place to three. There is no change in the top two though, with Pinch of Nom, Everyday Light by Kate Everson and Kate Allenson taking second place, and The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Maxey staying at number one for a fourth month. 
So, no new entries, bit of shuffling around. But, interestingly, there are two books which are just outside the top ten. And I think if we had another week at the rate they're selling, they would have possibly both gone into the top ten. They are The Beekeeper of Aleppo, the Beekeeper of Aleppo by Christy Lefteri and Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race by Rennie Edo Lodge. Will they have made it into the top ten by next month? Possibly. But on top of those, we've also got the likes of Jamie Oliver, Richard Osman and Robert Galbraith all threatening to take their spots in the top ten. And all of them have only been out for a few weeks but are already all inside the top 100. So it could be a big, big change next month. Join me in four or five weeks and we will find out. The first book that I have read this week is Reproduction by Ian Williams. Uh, Williams is a Canadian author, um, or at least he's based in Canada, and uh, that is where this book is set. Here's what the blurb tells us. When their ailing mothers are assigned the same hospital room, an odd couple relationship balloons between Edgar and Felicia ripe with miscommunications and reprisals for perceived and real offences that have some unexpected results. Fast forward, their son Armistice is a teenager fixated on a variety of get-rich-quick schemes that are as comic as they are indicative of the immigrant son's fear of falling through the cracks. When Edgar re-enters Felicia's life at a typically inopportune moment, the book's exhilarating final act is set in motion and reproduction is revealed. It's a real struggle for me to understand how I feel about this book because let's start with the story. So the story is uh, Edgar and Felicia meet in in this hospital room. Their mothers are are dying. Um, Felicia's mother dies first um and then she ends up helping edgar to care for his muta muta is uh, how what he calls her um so edgar is actually german of descent living in canada and this relationship develops between them that doesn't feel particularly healthy particularly that either one of them are enjoying but it it results in this this pregnancy then we sort of as the blurb says we fast forward but we don't really fast forward because that whole first section takes quite a while uh so army uh who we later discover is armistice is a good hundred or so pages in before we meet him so we fully get this exploration of Edgar and Felicia's life together. Then we get Edgar, he's out of the picture, and Army is living with Felicia, and they're in this house that they rent a couple of rooms off of, and it's almost divided so that they are two houses within one construct. Uh, there's Oliver, who uh, Army calls Mr O, and uh, his kids are there for the summer. So normally they live in America, in New York, but Heather and Hendrix um, 
are there for the summer to spend with their dad. Heather is 16, Hendrix is somewhat younger, uh, Army is 14, and Army and Heather, between them, discover sexuality. They, they, they're at that age where they're discovering themselves and discovering their bodies, not necessarily with each other, but with other people around. And that's sort of the middle part of the story, and then the final part of the story, uh, which the blurb hints at, and everything kind of comes full circle. So we, we see Army looking after Riot. We, we see Felicia and Edgar sort of reconnecting. We see Mr. O and his uh, jealousy over, um, over Felicia and Edgar. Even though him and Felicia aren't really together, but they kind of ended up in this sort of matrimony of convenience over the years. It's a very good story, and one that kept me turning the page. But the reason I've got mixed feelings about this is because of the way that it is told. And to start with, it's fairly simple. It's It alternates between Felicia and Edgar's point of view. And then there's this sex talk section which sex talk comes up a couple of times in this book um and it just sort of explains how they the characters feel about sex and how they come to know about sex and those sections are really short i mean some of these parts are all really really short they're almost poetic in parts, which I was, um, afterwards I found out that, um, William, Ian Williams is a poet as well as a novelist, so that does explain some of that, but there's no, there's no speech marks, it's very difficult sometimes to work out who is talking, and sometimes there are sections where he refers to them as... There's one section, for instance, where the back seat texts the front seat, the front seat texts the booth, and it, it just refers to the place in which that person is rather than that person themselves. It's all very interesting, very well written, but it's sometimes quite difficult to keep up with. And I don't always want that. In fact, I very rarely want that. Um, I, For me, books are about the stories that they tell. And I think if you can see the writing behind it, then the, it, it might not be doing its job. It's a bit like seeing... Um, it's a bit like seeing the line in, in a wallpaper. But if you see the join in the wallpaper, it's not quite doing what it should be doing because you should be looking at the wallpaper rather than the join that's sort of how I feel about the way that um, some writers write and obviously that is not the same for everyone and I can see the appeal of this book to other people I think there are this is the sort of book that you could put in a GCSE class and they could analyse it to death there are certainly some parts towards the end where you can 
see what he's trying to do um, with his way of writing. For instance, um, in the final act, Edgar's name isn't always spelt correctly. And the more it goes on, um, the more often it's spelt incorrectly. And then there's a final instance of it happening, of this name being spelt incorrectly. And you realise, you know, it's what it's supposed to symbolise and and what's happening to the characters involved. But it pulls you out of the story somewhat. It makes you realise that this is a story you're being told. It's not a story that you're living, which is what I like in books. I like to be immersed. I'm glad I read it. I think that it's one that will probably stay with me for a long time. But I'm not sure if I loved it. I was almost quite glad for it to be over so that I could go and read something else. But it's a way of writing that is not one that I see very often. It's not one I allow, I expose myself to. And it reminds me that there are more books out there than just the kind I read and that maybe sometimes I should challenge myself a bit more. Because I did enjoy the story. I just... I think I needed to be in the right mood for it and I wasn't always when I picked it up. It's not, for me, the type of book that I can read for two or three hours a day. It it was definitely one that you need to pick up and read over the course of a few days, a few weeks maybe, I don't know. Doesn't fit my reading style, and um, but that doesn't mean it won't fit yours, and I think with the right context behind it, you will enjoy this book. And when I say context, I mean you have to be in the right place for this. It's, it's not an easy fireside read. And it's not easy because of the... Sorry, it's not not easy because of the content. The content is is fairly standard for what you get in most books these days. There is violence. Um, there is implied violence. There's bad language. Uh, but it's not easy because of the way that it is written. And I don't think he, the, the author intends for it to be easy for you to read. Uh, I think he's very much trying to tell you something. And he succeeds in the way that he does that. Particularly in that last final section. Where Army is an older man and he's dealing with Riot. And Army becomes this character as well that actually you really like. Although I feel we don't always know him that well. And that's because we see some of the events written about, or rather they were written around. Uh, So we don't see the events themselves, but we see the aftermath, or the people looking back on the events. And, And he doesn't try, Williams that is, doesn't try to explain them. It's almost, he expects you to know, you're in the head of this character, you should know his history. Obviously, there's no way of knowing the history. You have to fill in the gaps for yourself. That isn't that hard. That you know that happens in other books, but coupled with the difficult way of writing this, 
it can sometimes lead to a disjointed book. I feel like I've probably given you mixed messages with this review. I did enjoy it, I think. It will certainly be one that I remember, and I think if you like to be challenged with your reading, then this might be a good book for you to pick up. It's called Reproduction. It's out in hardback right now, uh, and it's by Ian Williams. My guest on the Page Master Quiz this week is Jane. Jane, tell us where you are and what you do. Hi, my name's Jane. I am from Lancaster and I am a nurse in the very busy NHS at the moment. So do you get a lot of time for reading? I'm guessing no. <laughs> so reading's my main hobby and I do as much as I can when I am not working. Wonderful. That's a, a good way to be. A nice way to escape. Uh, so you read a lot then, I guess. Yeah, I've been known to read a book in a day, depending on the author and what sort of genre it is. Yeah, read an awful lot. Okay. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, joining me on the quiz. Uh, but just for taking part, you will get a Burt's Books pin bash. Uh, nice. If you are at the top of the leaderboard by December, you will be in the running to win £100 worth of books. Currently, you need 10 points or more to make it onto that leaderboard. So fingers crossed for you that you can do it. Okay. Um, you're going to get 10 questions. Each question is worth one point and five seconds in the final round. In the final round, you will get the choice of two categories and you'll be asked to name as many books, authors or characters that apply to that category as you can. If okay. you're ready, we will begin. Yep. Question one. A Promised Land is the forthcoming memoir from which former US president? Barack Obama. Correct. One of Barack Obama's previous bestsellers was called The Audacity of what? Not sure. That was The Audacity of Hope. Question three. Troubled Blood is the latest book in which series? That's the Common Strike series. Correct. Question four. Stuart Turton's new title, The Devil and the Dark Water, is released tomorrow as we record this. But what was his debut novel called? The Seven Wives of Evelyn Hardcastle. Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hardcastle. <laughs> I'm going to give you half a point for that. It was the seven, <laughs> it was the seven deaths of the oh, Of course it was. <laughs> Slightly confusing with uh, the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> question five. Sylvia Plath is famous for which genre of writing? Mm. Poetry. Correct. Question six. Ron Weasley has two twin brothers, Fred and George, but can you name any of his other three brothers? Oh. Do you know, I thought you were going to ask me about the sister. <laughs> uh, there's Charlie. 
Correct. You could have also had Percy or Bill. Question seven. Julian Clary writes children's books about what kind of animal? Oh, gosh. A uh, dog. Hyenas, and they're called the Bulls. Oh. <laughs> Question eight. Which children's publisher also operates a bookshop in Brixton called Round Table Books? No idea. Knights of. Question nine. Which David Nichols book has recently been adapted into a BBC One series starring Tom Hollander and Saskia Reeves? Balls. Correct. Question 10. Which year saw the publication of Birdsong by Sebastian Folks, A Suitable Boy by Vikram Seth, and Adrian Mole, The Wilderness Years by Sue Townsend? So that will be 93, I think. Absolutely spot on. Well done. Hey. Uh, that gives you six and a half points out of ten. Uh, how That's did not you, too bad. How did you know the 93? How, what what made it, gave it away for you? Because I've just read A Suitable Boy not long ago. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> it helped you. <laughs> Right. Uh, like I said, you've got six and a half points out of ten. That gives you 33 seconds in the final round. Uh, okay. I will pick uh, two envelopes for you. I've got a load of them here. We'll pick okay. two of them. And you will get to pick one of those categories. What are you hoping will come up? Oh, gosh. Um, probably crime. Okay, we have got <laughs> SK. Oh gosh. Or R. Oh gosh. What do you think they might be, and which one are you going to pick? I'll go with SK, and I have no idea. You have picked SK. Mm -hmm. So, from the moment that I finish speaking, you have 33 seconds to tell me as many. Stephen King books, as you can. Okay, The Shining, Doris Claiborne, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of any. It, uh, Misery, uh, Oh gosh, my husband's gonna kill me because he's a proper <laughs> king fam. Carrie. Um... That's it, that's time. Oh no! <laughs> it goes really quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> well, oh gosh, I had a complete is... blank. We've got loads of them in the house. <laughs> There's quite a lot that you could have had. Um... Yeah, I know. The 61 novels, if you include the ones that he's written uh, under a pseudonym, and five non-fiction. So you could have had, uh, well, you said Carrie. You could have also had Salem's Lot, The Shining, uh, The Long Walk, Cujo. Some of his more recent ones were Under the Dome, Doctor Sleep, oh, yeah. Mercedes, uh, or The Institute, which is his most recent. Uh, yeah. You did get five, 
I think. That's um, not bad. But that's pretty good. In fact, and that gives you 11 and a half points, which puts you tied fifth place. So that means you Ooh. are on the leaderboard. So we could be seeing you very, very soon for the final. <laughs> that'll, that'll do. That's good. I, was, I honestly thought I was going to do really, really badly. So I've not shown myself up too much. Absolutely not. You did really, really well on the questions as well. I don't think not many people get more than four on the, uh, on the questions. So you did really All right. Well. That's good. <laughs> uh, thank you for taking part. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's been great. So Jane just sneaks into the top six of the leaderboard there, but there's still eight weeks to go before we get to the final round. There's plenty of chances for you to take your place on the leaderboard too. Few of those spots have been filled up. I've got people ready and raring to take their turn on the quiz. But if you would like to have a go at winning and seeing if you could put yourself into that top six and get yourself £100 worth of books, then drop me a line on bert at bertsbooks.co.uk and put Pagemaster in the subject heading. Now, at the beginning of this week, I received a big box of books from Canelo Crime. Now Canelo is a indie publisher and they have just launched a new imprint, Canelo Crime, which puts all of their best crime books to uh, one little home for them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they come out with. Now in that box there were seven or eight books which um, all had a letter with them from the author telling me about them and all of this. And I was like, well, which one am I going to read? And I looked through them. And you will know, uh, good people of the Books Books podcast land, that I am a bit of a stickler for reading books in order. I don't like going into series books on the third or fourth book. So when I realised that all of these books that they put into the box were second or third or fourth or fifth books in a series I was slightly frustrated and I didn't know where to start. In the end I picked out When the Dead Speak by Sheila Bugler and the reason I picked this one out is A because it's only the second book in this series which features Dee Duran a local investigative journalist to Eastbourne but also in the letter from the author uh, which is uh, Sheila Bugler, she said that she wanted to do for Eastbourne what Peter James has done for Brighton. Now, you will know that I that the Peter James books are my favourite crime series. And so I thought, well, OK, let's give this one a go, especially as the main character is not a detective. So although she wants to sort of emulate what uh, Roy Grace has done in the city of Brighton and make Eastbourne as famous... She's going down a slightly different tack. So I thought I'd give it a go. This is what the blurb says. Secrets can be fatal, but so can the truth. When a dead body is found at an Eastbourne church, local journalist Dee Duran is intrigued, especially when it is revealed that another young woman was discovered in the exact same spot 60 years ago. But what is the connection between the two? The police advise Dee to keep out of their investigation, but her instincts tell her there is a big story here. As she starts asking questions, Dee finds that the answers all point to the same conclusion. Someone is keeping secrets and will do whatever it takes to keep them safe. Well, let's first of all start off by addressing 
can you read this book without having read the first one? The first one, by the way, is called I Could Be You. Now, actually, yes. There is references to the previous book. Um, and I think there are as well some spoilers. I don't know because I haven't read the first one. But I there are some explicit, this character is dead. Or this um, this character is now back with this character as a family and what have you. So you, there is definitely something uh, there going on um, that will... that touches on the first book, on the events of the first book. But it doesn't ruin it. It doesn't alienate you as a reader. Uh, but it does make you want to go back and read the first one, so I will be doing that very, very soon. So let's go on to uh, the actual plot of this book. So 60 years ago, we're talking beginning of the 50s here, a young woman was found murdered and her body laid out in a church, her hair all cut off and sort of uh, spread around the altar of the church. The young, there was a young man who was accused of her murder. He was a bit different, a bit odd, one of the characters says he would have probably put been sort of put on the autistic spectrum uh, these days. Um, and he was blamed for her murder and then killed it by a sort of gang of vigilantes. And nobody was ever put to uh, prison for his murder, for his death. Uh, and everyone kind of moved on, apart from his mother, who then just became obsessed about it until many years later committed suicide. And that was kind of the last that anyone really spoke of this family and, and this crime. Apart from a few sort of niche corners of the internet where these unresolved crimes are sort of dragged over. Because although it was ruled that this is what had happened, there were many, many people who didn't believe it. Fast forward to the present day, and a body is found in very much the same way, and a connection between the two crimes is investigated and drags it all up for the families. And although there's nobody left from the sort of time of the original crime, uh, it does drag up lots of emotions. At the same time, we've got Dee, uh, an investigative journalist. She's in her early 50s. And she is looking for a young woman, Joanna, a Polish woman who has gone missing. Nobody seems that bothered, apart from uh, Joanna's friend, who is telling Dee all about her. Now, it is entirely possible that this is a plot point in the first book as well, because uh, she turns up fairly early on and is referenced as having met Dee previously. So I, I wonder if we might sort of find out about Joanna as well in the first book and it's left as a sort of continuing thread. But Dee's investigation takes her to a hotel where, which is the hotel of a man named Derek French. Derek French is the father of Kyle French who is the girlfriend, boyfriend of the young woman who's just been found murdered in the church. So the two crimes, or sorry, rather, Dee's investigation seems to connect with the crime. At the same time, her boyfriend, Ed, is uh, he's a detective. He is removed from the investigation into Laura Shaw's death, the young woman from the, um, from the church, 
because he has a connection to her. We don't know for sure what that is at the beginning, but we know he doesn't tell Dee. And so it kind of sets up this stage for lots and lots of uh, sort of possible suspects, possible uh, motives. But what it does do is keep you guessing, which is exactly what you want from this sort of book. You have probably narrowed it down to two, maybe three uh, characters who could be completely responsible for the crime. And then at the end, you find out who it is and you immediately go, oh, for sod's sake, why didn't I think of that? Because it it was fairly well signposted throughout, actually. Um, So it is a very well plotted I thought it was a very well told story, and actually Sheila Bugler does manage to bring Eastbourne to life in the same way that Peter James manages to bring Brighton to life. Um, And part of that, I think, is because it's not that far away from Brighton, we're still talking about Sussex, so it feels like uh, a neighbour to Roy Grace, especially when a couple of the characters do pop off to Brighton and as well off to the Sussex Ox one of them is that is mentioned it's a pub down that way which I know of because it was the uh, pub of a ex of one of my friends so very very uh, surreal for me to see that pop up Um, it did slightly take me out of the story a bit but it does make the whole thing as well feel Real. So that is When the Dead Speak by Sheila Bugler. I will be reading the first one in the series, I Could Be You, very, very soon, and I will be adding both of them to the Burt's Books website for you to pre for you to order should you want to. And as well, I'll be taking a look at the rest of those Canelo crime uh, books as well to see if I can uh, find myself a new favourite detective. <laughs> So, on to the charts again. Uh, this time it is the weekly chart, and there is just one new entry into the top ten. It's called Buried by Linda LaPlante. DC Jack War and his girlfriend Maggie have just moved to London to start a new life together. Though charming, Jack can't seem to find his place in the world until he's drawn into an investigation that turns his life upside down. In the aftermath of a fire at an isolated cottage, a, bad, a badly charred body is discovered, along with the burnt remains of millions of stolen, untraceable banknotes. Jack's search leads him deep into a murky criminal underworld, a world he finds himself surprisingly good at navigating. But, as the line of the law becomes blurred, how far will Jack go to find the answers? And what will it cost him? So, one new entry, nine books staying inside the top ten, Will uh, any of them move up to number one, or will Robert Galbraith stay there with troubled blood? There is only one way to find out, and that is by using data source from Nielsen Bookscan's Total Consumer Market Panel Chart. At ten, down three places, is My Garden World by Monty Don. Also down three places to nine is V2 by Robert Harris. Up two places to eight is The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Mackesy. And our only new entry in the top 10 this week is Buried by Linda LaPlante at 7. Walking down three places to six is Captain Sir Tom Moore's biography, Tomorrow Will Be a Good Day. Down one place to five is Seven Ways from Jamie Oliver. And up four places to four is The Guest List from Lucy Foley. While Richard Osman and the Thursday Murder Club is down one place to three. 
Mary Berry rises three places like a well-needed doe to position two with her new cookbook, and J.K. Rowling, writing as Ga- Robert Galbraith, spends a second week at number one with Troubled Blood. Lots of big new books were out this week, so we're on to our third Super Thursday in a row, where lots of huge new titles are released. Uh, and there were just, I mean, there's too many to mention. But I'm going to mention a couple. There was The Stuart Turton, The Devil in the Dark Water, plus the uh, Claire Whitfield one, which is People of Abandoned Character, that story about Jack the Ripper's uh, wife, or a woman who suspects that her husband is Jack the Ripper, rather. Both of those came out, and I would highly recommend those. But will either of them make it into the top ten find out next week by coming back to the Burt's Books podcast. Well, that is everything for this week. Thank you, as ever, for listening to me waffle on. Do check out burtsbooks.co.uk if you need a new book. It would be really, really nice of you. Uh, but in the meantime, I would love to hear from you about anything book-related. Get in touch on social media at Burt's Books or via email bert at burtsbooks.co.uk. That is also the place to go if you want to take part in a future round of the Page Master Quiz. Now, I am off to spend the rest of Bookshop Day uh, sitting on my sofa reading a book because uh, I am exhausted from this nightmare of a week. Uh, I will speak to you again 